And now, coming to you live from the heart of Melbourne, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure, The Yellow Family, with Tom and Michael. Good evening, everyone. Tom and Michael, back for another Yellow Family, the show that, just like Apple's earpods, is super cool, but also very unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, but unlike the earpods, we aren't going to get lost in the next hour. In fact, we're staying right on topic here and talking about The Simpsons more than we ever have before. Yeah, more than we ever have. And each week we bring along a brand new guest to help us chat about our favourite Yellow Family, The Simpsons, of course. And this week we're joined by Miss Rachel Ward, young journalist, vice president of this radio station, and, of course, all-round good gal. That's right, and... And our second ever guest, female guest that is, so 33% more gender diversity on tonight's show, which is pretty big for us. <laughs> Correct, Tom. And Rachel, you've brought us this week's episode of the week, which is... Season 2, episode 4, two cars in every garage and three on every fish. Fantastic. You didn't screw it up. Well done. Tom, give us quickly your always disappointing one-sentence summary of the episode. <laughs> Mr Burns runs for governor of Springfield after Bart catches a three-eyed fish. Succinct as always, and it's all happening tonight on The Yellow Family with Tom and Michael. Stay tuned. The Yellow Family with Tom and Michael, joined live in the studio by our guest, Ms. Rachel Ward, who is the vice president of this radio station. Rachel, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me on the show. How Mate, are you guys? We're doing well. Oh, Tom, are you? Yeah, feeling good. Feeling, feeling good. good. Rachel, how are you feeling about having more gender diversity on the show? Because that was uh, your little pat on the back last week. Something we've <laughs> You will be happy to know that next week's guest is locked in and also a woman, which is very, very good because we do want as much gender diversity on this show as possible. Lauren is a great broadcaster so I'm looking oh, forward to Oh she's fantastic it. but not well equally as good as you Rachel oh, and <laughs> it is really cool to have you on the show and I'm not sure if you remember this story but oh, when when we first started this show I think about three weeks into it you sort of came up to me like at, at the radio station and you were like Michael what do you actually talk about on your Simpsons show? <laughs> very good question. Yeah, very, good. very common question that we get from a lot of friends, family, enemies, yeah. teachers. Lots of people ask us that question, which is, yeah, it's a fair question. And, Tom, do you remember what I said to Rachel? You summed it up quite nicely, if yeah. I remember. I basically put it to you as such, and I think the listeners will agree. It's 50% legitimate discussion. About The Simpsons. About The Simpsons, of course. <laughs> which is completely legitimate. And 50% shenanigans. And do you remember what you said to me? No. You said to me, I don't think I can be on your show because I'm not funny and I can't do shenanigans. Here on The Yellow Family, we are very accommodating. We are very accommodating <laughs> to the guests. We want all our guests to be as comfortable as possible. Tom and I love shenanigans. In fact, tonight's show is basically laughable larrikins meet young woman who is very passionate about a lot of things but just isn't funny. Which is why we have dubbed this week's episode of The Yellow Family... Warning! 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 No, 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 just three. Hey, you! Yes, you, the listener at home. Or in your car, or wherever you listen to the radio. Or those of you who choose to podcast. Thanks, podcasters. Tonight we're joined by Rachel Ward, who said she can't do shenanigans on our show. So welcome to The Yellow Family's No Shenanigans Hour. No shenanigans. 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 Hey, Tom, want to hear a shenanigan? Nope. That's right, because the Yellow Family's No Shenanigans Hour starts right 
Now. That's now. right, it is the no <laughs> right now. It's the no shenanigans <laughs> special of the yellow family as tonight. We, said, we are very accommodating. We want everyone to feel as comfortable as possible. Yeah, so as of now there will be no smiling, no laughing, no joke telling of any kind, because we want Rachel to feel as comfortable as possible. Oh. Rachel, is that okay with you? That's okay. I don't think you can do it, but that's okay with me. And I do remember you also told me that coming on me and Tom's show would be like very damaging to your professional reputation. I not. Which, um, which, Tom, you said that to me as well when I asked you to do this with me, um, and you don't even... You study environments, no, so... Nothing to do with radio at all, but, you know, I haven't had any negative feedback from my <laughs> personal career. But, I definitely didn't say that. But, Rachel... <laughs> Um, as is tradition on this show, we do always go to the guest here to ask, what's your history with The Simpsons as a series and why this episode specifically, which is two cars in every garage and three eyes on every fish? Yeah, so my history with The Simpsons is pretty much the same as every Aussie millennial. It was on mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock on Channel 10, so I started watching it. Um, but I was not allowed to watch it. My parents were against me watching it for whatever reason. So then I'd go over to my cousin's house and I'd, like, secretly get his DVD mm. box sets out and just, like, watch them all night when I was wow. there for a sleepover. <laughs> um, so that's how I first started watching The Simpsons. He's actually a cool cousin. He was the one who introduced me to Green Day. So, like, we all need to thank Marco for that. He was just the best. <laughs> Big shout-out to Marco. <laughs> Thanks to Marco. And, like, this is interesting that you used to sneak over and, like, watch the DVDs because you don't strike me as a rule-breaker. In fact, like... You, you know, you don't you don't really even, like, swear that much. Like, I've definitely heard you say the F word at least once, which was quite a jarring experience for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but please go on. Um, but this episode, well, I could say a lot of reasons why I picked it, but we all know it's because Michael picked it for me. <laughs> what really happened was Rachel was like, I don't know what episode to do. So I gave you a few suggestions. I gave you one suggestion, one suggestion. and it was, and it was this one. <laughs> I think you should do this the one. The technique employed by Michael, for all our guests, he um, <laughs> no, some of, them Most beforehand. of the guests do choose their episodes, but <laughs> no, again, thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. Tom, could you kick us off on this episode um, with some of the basic facts? Sure. So it first aired November 1st, 1990. One of the earliest episodes we've ever reviewed Mm. in our short-running series. In Um, all eight weeks of glory (laughs) we've had on this show. Um, Most of our episodes that we've reviewed have been from around seasons five to eight. This one's very early in season two. Written by Sam Simon and John Swartzelder. Sam Simon passed away a few years ago, um, which is another story entirely and quite sad, (laughs) but he did have an interesting history with this series because he was there from the start, really. Yeah, he he helped assemble the original writing team. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't actually think the series would be that successful. No. So he encouraged the writers to just be as free as they want. Any topics that interested them, go for it. Matt Groening, however interpreted this as disinterest. So, yeah. unfortunately, he left the show in 1993. He negotiated a role that, like, yeah. credited him with being the executive, executive producer. producer that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically what that did was gave him a share of the series cut every year, even though he wasn't working on it. So it brought him millions and millions of dollars. So he did very well for himself. Yeah. That. But, um, <laughs> Michael, he was the executive producer. Aren't you an executive producer of a radio show? Are you saying that you don't do anything? Me and Tom are both producers on this show and we put a lot of effort in. So thank you so much <laughs> for effort. noticing that. Some effort. <laughs> so it's primarily a parody of Citizen Kane, very old movie, um, a very political movie, which film from Orson Welles. Yeah. And this film is parodied frequently in The Simpsons throughout. Yeah. lots of references in The Simpsons. Yep. Mr. Burns takes the role of Charles Foster Kane, lead character in Citizen Kane. Yeah. 
In fact, um, this is the first episode where we actually learn Monty Burns' first name. Charles. And Charles. Which is after Charles Foster Kane. It's sharp political satire in which Mr Burns faces off against Mary Bailey, the current governor of Springfield. Yeah. And, and that's a really... I think it's a nice place to ground the discussion here, which is more about, like, the, the development of The Simpsons as a series when we say that, like, this is one of the oldest ones we've done. And there is quite a noticeable shift in tone here from the other episodes we'd, we've been reviewing, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, and I think you particularly where we notice it when we watch them, because we do watch these episodes together, is the, in the voice acting here, particularly with Homer and Burns, I think there's a really different style of voice going on here and it hasn't quite settled into yeah, what it would still developing become. figuring out things in terms of voice acting yeah and even the animation is a the bit, character the animation's a bit cruder the comedy is is also quite a bit drier as well and maybe that's because it's politically grounded this episode but even the political satire is quite subtle here it, it's behind this cartoony simpsony kind of shell and and the movie callouts and it still works very well even if you haven't seen citizen kane but tom why is mr burns running for governor give us a bit more context on the episode so it starts off bart and lisa are down at the old fishing point and <laughs> he bart ends up catching a three-eyed fish and right outside the power plant journalist discovers it yeah. And um, criticises the plant for causing this mutation, pretty much. Yeah. And just the pollution from the lake. And this scene as well, we see a very s- kind of smart side of Bart. Yeah, and you get a callback in this episode to the telltale head in season one where he steals the head off Jebediah Springfield. Yeah, um, he's kind of got a scrapbook of all his, like, accomplishments. Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's a safety inspection at the plant, which features the exact same inspectors as in Homer Goes to College. Yeah, something we found out when we watched it yeah. over again. And basically, Homer suggests that Burns runs for governor. Burns agrees, and, like, there's a lot... I think, Rachel, you'd agree, there's a lot of really good sort of campaign satire in this episode. Oh, so many, so many themes of how the political machine is run to personalities, to how it affects the average voter, and a real bureaucracy versus big business theme to it as well. Definitely. And Tom and I didn't understand most of that, which is why we got Rachel on the show tonight, because she is an an expert on um, all this kind of stuff, and she is really passionate about it. So we'll be back talking a lot more about that and hearing from Rachel straight after this. It's the Yellow Family here with Tom and Michael. It's the Yellow Family here with Tom and Michael, the No Shenanigans Hour with Rachel Ward, our special guest of the week, talking all things three, two cars on ev- in every garage, three eyes on every fish. One of the fish. more difficult yeah, things long, to say. Yeah, long, bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> Tom, give us a fact about this show, All right, this so episode. So. As many people may be aware of, may be starting to recognise, The Simpsons generally leans towards a left-wing political bias. Al Jean, one of the longest-running staff on the show, pretty much explicitly stated Simpsons has a left-wing bias. Yeah. I think that it really um, takes popular issues and things in the media, so, like, people running for, for office and then nuclear power, which was which were big issues at the time in 1990, I think it was, and it really unpacks them, and it does it in... I would, I would agree it's a left-wing sort of way, but I think it's not as overt in later series. In earlier series, it's much more... I mean, you watch this episode and you come away thinking nuclear power is bad, Mr Burns is bad, big business is bad. Yeah. But I think that, like, it does it in a really beautiful way because I don't think there is such thing as an unbiased and this is a really ironic thing for me to say as a journalism student but there's no such thing as like an unbiased episode of The Simpsons because the fact they're talking about something they're talking about environmentalism or gay rights or guns the, that itself is really political yeah. as they're bringing it into the open 100% they're bringing it into the it. open and they're unpacking it and the thing and they're legitimising it and the thing I love the most about this episode and I love about The Simpsons is that The Simpsons is played on Fox 
which is a really, in, in America, yeah. a really conservative, <laughs> you could say, television organisation. And they make so much fun of Fox. Oh, totally. All the time. And I, I think, like, looking from a real-life perspective as well, like, there is a team of writers on this. And if there's a team of writers, they'll always, a bias will always kind of lean in that. And, you know, with The Simpsons, it's a bunch of, of white males who have a similar, you know, age bracket. They have a similar, like, upbringing, I'd assume. And, and similar sense of humour, so they're probably all going to lean into this this one way as well. I think with this one, we have spoken at length about Mr Burns in our review of Homer Goes to College a few weeks ago, but I think it is important to note here how he's portrayed when he's a politician, not just like a businessman. But he is, he is at his normal self here. The power yeah. plant's unstable, it's not being managed, and he bribes the inspectors as usual. The Simpsons as a show really regularly shows government and corporation as like very greedy corruption is yeah. everywhere. Mayor Quimby is Quimby corrupt. is the one of the best. The examples. police force is terrible. There's just so many examples of it. Yeah, which we will get to a bit more later. And I think you know the upper class is always trying to thwart the working class or the lower class people. Burns is you know that character exactly. And especially in this se- season, which is only two years in, he feels so much more menacing and villainous. Like later on, they got these jokes that Mr. Burns was a very frail, weak old man who couldn't yeah. care for himself. <laughs> but here he's quite. He's still a very menacing man, and it's less cartoony here than it than it eventuated into. That's so true. Like it really portrays him ready to, as you said, thwart the working class, but also capitalize mm. capitalize on people's political ignorance. Is what this is really talking about, and saying this is a really screwed up concept at the moment yeah. and shining a light on that. And just like when we went back watching this episode, there is a couple of links to how things are looking in America right now with yep. Donald Trump. Definitely. (laughs) So many. When I was watching this, preparing for this show, I don't know about you, but I was so... All I could think of was Mr Burns is Trump. He's seen a weakness. Well, not a weakness. He's seen um, where he can capitalise on people and he's seen that people like the media circus. They like the criticisms. They like these, these brash characters basically striking down authority figures. I mean, that's Hillary Clinton. That's what we're seeing at the moment. Today, people are criticising her because she's sick and because she's an authority figure, even though Trump, as a big businessman, is an authority figure, but he's portraying himself in an in, in an everyday man situation like Mr Burns does with Homer at their house. Yeah. Right, and, and even some of the other... like. You see Burns trying to do exactly what everyone would want him to do through a kind of montage in this, which I guess like links to that idea that Rachel actually introduced me to before this show of um, populism, where you're just trying to mass mass appeal, really, and, and get those votes. I think the episode really sends up the lengths that politicians will go to to win votes. And this yeah. becomes very, very clear through Mr Burns' campaign. where yeah, He's got a whole team of people just working to improve his image and completely destroy his opponent's image. Yeah, and you get that... One of the very funny lines in this is where you get the conceptual artist shot of Burns, who's like this godly figure, and and Burns looks at them and he's like, why are my teeth showing like that? (laughs) Because you're smiling. Yeah, and he, you know, he doesn't... He's trying to portray himself as something that he just completely is not. He doesn't even know what smiling is, right? That's how, like, bitter this old man (laughs) is. And, of course, then you have the team that's also working to degrade the image of Mary Bailey, his competitor, which is such a, like, lovely little insight to the world (laughs) of politics here. Yeah, definitely. You've really hit the spot there. It's 
showing what goes on behind the scenes, behind the headlines, because he goes, we've got a speech writer, a joke writer, a spin doctor, a makeup artist and a personal yeah, trainer for you. Doctor. Oh, <laughs> the best. And, and then they go, oh, well, how are we going to bring down Mary Bailey's image? And they're like, well, we've got your mudslinger, we've got your character assassin, we've got this, that, the other, your mudraker. Yeah. It's brilliant and it's also really tragic. Oh, yeah. To find and it's so they true. And they're just, all, they're just all these, like, made-up terms that, like, they have a whole job. <laughs> for for everyone and, and then you can see political people having a team like that yeah just constantly on the ball trying to find something to bring down their opposition and they do and it's not just their opposition they've got people trying to dig dirt on their opposition yes but people in their own party that they don't like different factions from parties and it's really depressing but it's actually very important that they they talk about this because it introduces this concept to you at a young age well it did for me mm. and then you grow up and you're like ah that's what that, <laughs> that meant and, and I think like Obviously, Mr. Burns tries to use fear at first to win his votes, and you get that with Homer flat out saying to Marge, look, Mary Bailey isn't going to fire me if I don't vote for her. And that's quite, you know, that's a very sad, sad realisation that that you have, that, like, you know, Mr. Burns will fire Homer if he doesn't vote for him. And you have that scene where he's making the political ad or to go on TV before he doesn't think he's live on air and he's going, ah, by the time this political announcement is done, the entire population will be eating out of my head. Oh, hey, I'm Mr. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And and even the um the staff who were trying to degrade Mary Bailey, you get a very funny scene where they're like, look, the only bad thing we can find about her is from a guy who dated her when she, she was 16. He goes, yeah, what is it? He felt her up. And he's like, oh, that's not good enough, right? Which is just, again, like this, this whole system working to raise Mr. Burns and degrade Mary Bailey. And it just doesn't work because, you know, Mary Bailey is... Well, well it kind of works, but Mary Bailey is too honest and yeah, too innocent of a figure to, to, to have it work yeah, on her. And Burns has to use these dirty tactics yeah. to somehow get an advantage. And I yeah. think, like, we can kind of bring this down to some of the local or national politics in Australia because The Simpsons is super relevant at the moment to Australian politics because of a Facebook page called The Simpsons Against the Liberals, which is yeah, quite a big popular. page with, like, over, I think... 75,000 yeah, likes. This is quite a big thing in the meme culture of The Simpsons, which we've talked about a lot. It's done pretty well. Like, I'm not a political person, but I follow that page and yeah. find it humorous when, like, uh, they'll do something about... Clive Palmer, he's sleeping and he's wearing the glasses that Homer wears when he's in court. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of, I think, really nice kind of developments there that we can link the Simpsons political satire to our own state of politics, which we will get to a bit more later. Of course, in that television broadcast, you get that beautiful, beautiful quote from Burns where he says, you know, this is an actor portraying Charles Darwin and he's going to tell you what to think. Like, effectively, <laughs> that's what he tells him. I love that because he's like, this is Charles Darwin and he uses the thing theory of evolution to justify why there should be a three-eyed fish. Yeah, and you just, it's an evolutionary and, advantage. Yeah, exactly. And the adult, like as an adult watching it, you go, mm, I don't think that's what Charles Darwin was on about. But as a kid, he's just a funny guy he's talking about a why, wearing a cape, why there should be three-eyed fish. And I think that's a really interesting point. The Simpsons is made for two audiences. It's for the younger audience who find like the slapstick gags and like the on-the-surface humour really funny. And then adults who find the subversive humour and the deeper levels just extremely thrilling when you're watching a cartoon. I mean, it is an adult show. It was pitched as an adult show, but I think mm. you've got to recognise that it's watched by adults and kids. Definitely. And I think one of the more interesting parts there is where the generation that 
first watched it as kids but is now revisiting yeah. it as, as adults. And as we Tom and I have discussed on the show, the difference is so profound. Even with the first episode, we did Homer's Barbershop Quartet, yeah, just the Beatles references, but then even here with the political references as well and Charles yeah. Darwin, you know, it's quite fascinating, actually. I think what I really love about the television broadcast is the, the slogan of the jingle that Burns has at the end, which is pretty much... It, <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, but it's... Only a moron wouldn't cast his vote for Monty Burns. You've been singing that all day. It's very catchy. (laughs) And I think, like, but what I love about this is, like, up until now, it's been very subtle satire. Like, it's definitely there and you recognise it as an adult, but it's still quite subtle. But then now they're literally just screaming in your face, like, only a moron wouldn't cast his vote for Monty yeah. Burns, and it's it's just so. That word they invented superliminal. It's the superliminal. Navy episode. Yeah, advertising, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like with the Navy episode, is there any Australian millennial out there who doesn't know what subliminal messaging is because of The Simpsons? Because yeah, join exactly. the Navy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, whatever that little slogan that they sung, and like other things like nuclear power. My whole idea of nuclear power was based, based on, on The Simpsons yeah. and, and Homer working at the power plant, and like like the monorail. It's just Mono it's amazing one. how rail these means rail. yeah definitely <laughs> how these like references they use as you were saying like the Beatles yeah. just become common knowledge among everyone who watched it which exactly. like let's face it is most young people in Australia. Yeah, totally. Uh, Burns as well throughout the episode, I think he just goes on and on about lowering taxes. And it's like, Tom, yeah. you, your point about this was similar to Trump and how he's saying to build a wall, you know? Yeah, like, that's just his go-to kind of catchphrase. It'll get everyone cheering. Like Monty Burns, he does it when he's at dinner with the Simpsons. Yeah. He does it again. He says the exact same thing. (laughs) Rachel, you brought up the point that the episode really shows off, like, the PR system around politics and, like, the the machine, I guess, that it is. I think it's very important that they talk about these issues. Yeah. And I really like that they've, they've done it in 20 minutes and you get a real sense of how corrupt the system is, how fake it all is, how people who are being paid to make someone's image are effectively calling elections... But it does it in a really nice It way. does it so delicately, so right? So delicately. And, and as we found out, like, a lot doing this show, like, they handle so many big issues like politics or like satire or um, mm. faith or all these very delicate issues. They always do it. So the, the, the satire is poignant enough, but it's still subtle enough that it's not overbearing. And yeah. this episode is very, very cleverly playing with those kind of conventions, I guess. Of course, you get to the absolutely brilliant scene where Mr. Burns has to go to the every man's house to have dinner with him. Yeah, because it's pretty much leading... He's losing the votes by 1%. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this will tip him over. And again, it's how can we appeal to the average voter? How can we appeal to the working class white man, I guess, kind of kind of vibe? The same way Trump does it yeah. now. And it's interesting to see Marge's view of this because in this episode, she's uh, Bailey yeah. Booster. She, she she's has... strongly against Mr. Burns. Yeah. She sees through everything he's saying, doesn't buy any of it. Marge has a very cunning side because she is, throughout the episode, she's quite vocal about... I don't like Mr. Burns. I think he's despicable. You know, I'm not going to vote for him and you shouldn't vote for him either, Homer. But obviously, Homer has to be on Burns' side because yeah. he, he works he works for him. Marge doesn't really do anything in the episode to thwart Burns, you know, that we can see throughout other than just vocalise it to Homer that mm. she's not interested in voting for him. And then he, he says to her something like, just go and be a good housewife, be a good homemaker, raise your children, mm. that kind of thing. And it, and it reminds me... Marge 
reminds me a lot of Mrs. Weasley in Harry Potter. Right. Like, the way she's portrayed is as a mother and as a wife and as someone who's not really interested in what's going on around her, but actually she is so engaged, but she's helping her children. She's raising her children to see those things. And like Definitely. Mrs. Weasley, at the end of it, when she does that spell against Bellatrix, like, Marge completely thwarts this whole PR machine by serving Mr. Burns the three-eyed fish. And, and it's just... It's so clever. I know. It, it's it's just such a uh, credit to the writing here because, like, I think what, as I said, what makes it so profound for me is how quiet Marge is. But, you know, then you have to think this whole episode, she must have been planning it. From as soon as Homer said Mr. Burns is coming mm. to dinner, she must have had this idea. Because Lisa's devastated because she had to ask that completely made-up question yeah, to and, fuel Monty Burns. And even, like, with that question as well, like, you get that nice bit where Homer asks the question and Mr. Burns, like, you see how manufactured this all is, N- not only from all the cameras around, but when Mr. Burns goes, oh, Homer, I didn't realise this casual dinner was going to turn into a Q&A session. Then, just reading what the card yeah, says. I'm just, like, I'm just reading what the card says. And, um, and Lisa really tries to rail against that. She's like, I don't want to ask the question on the card. I don't want to do it. And Marge is like, don't worry. I yeah. yeah. Marge says, oh, maybe, you know, I think the, the non-card question she wants to ask about Mr. Burns <laughs> destroying the environment is valid. But the guy goes, no, no, just ask the card question. Yeah. It, it's quite sad. And it's so true to Lisa's character to fight him in that way. In fact, maybe one of the earliest signs of Lisa being passionate about these the kinds of issues and, and, political and issues. going for them. But of course, yeah, Marge serves him up the three-eyed fish. And it's literally this big, like, you know, stuff you then to, you know, it, it's literally... Eat your words, because earlier in the episode, what does Mr. Burns say on the television yeah, broadcast? Yeah, he says something like, oh, and it would be just as tasty as any other fish, or something like that. Yeah, and right? And then Marge, Marge th- literally says, that. all right, well then eat it. Eat it in front of us, because I, and you know, she knows he can't do it. She knows he's not going to enjoy it. And the look of, not disappointment, but just dismay on Burns's face is so, so visible there. And there's just that scene after everyone, all the camera crew has left, Burns has just turned to destroying the Simpsons house. Yeah. That's his own, is, it's, it's straight out of Citizen Kane, but he's just trashing just... the place. But he's struggling to like throw over a table. And even Lisa <laughs> says, "Like I, I, I hardly see what destroying our meager possessions is going to achieve for you." You know, like there's no reason. And then Home Marge is like, "Homer, make him stop." And I was like, "Sir," and he's like, "Shut up and break something." And Homer <laughs> just breaks the vase in his own house, guys. We will be coming back to count down the top three from this week's episode right after this and then going into some more discussion of political satire in The Simpsons. It's The Yellow Family with Tom and Michael and our special guest, Rachel. All punk playlist tonight. Punk, politics. I thought it sort of made sense. Any stretch you can really make. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good stretch. It's one of my better musical links. Rachel, our guest of the week, is nodding. Tom, yeah, you played Green Day. They're a very political band. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Rachel. Rachel is very <laughs> supportive of me tonight. You I'm supportive of Green Day. Let's oh, be okay. serious. <laughs> um, guys, we do always finish the discussion of the episode by counting down our top three moments from the episode in a little segment that we like to call... And darling, I will be counting down the top three moments from this week's episode. It's the top three moments we from this week. We have the usual week. sneaker from the <laughs> guest on the show. I would <laughs> describe her sneaker as a revolted laugh. <laughs> like, she was just not impressed. Um, I really like your singing in that, Thank Tom. You. Like, I, I think don't, it's great, for the record. I don't know why everyone laughs at us. We always start off, before the top three, with the honourable mentions. Do you guys want to just dive into those yeah. now? 
All right, let's do it. I must say that in my day, we didn't talk that way to our elders. Well, this is my day, and we do, sir. Homer, they're trying to shut us down. They say we're contaminating the planet. Well, nobody's perfect. Get off your soapbox, Simpson. Do you realize how much it costs to run for office? More than any honest man can afford. I bet you could afford it, though. Harry Bailey isn't going to fire me if I don't vote for her. Why are my teeth showing like that? Because you're smiling. Ah, excellent. Brought to you by the friends of Montgomery Burns. Burns, change the channel. You change it. No, you change it. I changed it last week. Fine. Be a jerk. Then we'll just sit here and watch it. I bet before the papers blew this out of proportion, you didn't even know how many eyes a fish had. <laughs> Only a moron wouldn't cast his boat for Marty Burns. The latest poll show you're up six points. Ah, giving me a total of... Six. The only negative thing we have found is from some guy who dated her when she was 16. Ah, and? He, uh, he filled her up. Ah, not good enough. Well, as long as I'm asking something, can I ask him to assuage my fears that he's contaminating the planet in a manner that may one day render it uninhabitable? Now, dear, the card question will be fine. What? Mr. Burns wants you to appear very affectionate to him, but we must remind you, he hates being touched. Dear God. We pay for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. A little bit of snark there from Bart at the end. <laughs> Lots of really good quotes. Rachel, any that stand out for you? Oh, when Mr. Burns says that running for office is more than any honest man could afford. I mean, that's basically what Trump said. He was like, I'm so rich, I'm I'm not corruptible. It's exactly. Like, Mr. Burns Why wouldn't is Trump. You vote for it's me? so depressing. <laughs> also, you've got to admire Homer's just complete ignorance there. He's like, oh, I bet yeah, you so can afford us. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not about the honourable mentions, as always. It's about the top three. Should we start counting them down? Where are we starting? We're from starting, three. Yeah, yeah, start from three. <laughs> Definitely start from three. All right, we're doing it. <laughs> Number, Number three. three. By the time this paid political announcement is done, every Johnny lunch pail in this whole stupid state will be eating out of my hand. Oh, hello, friends. I'm Montgomery Burns. I just, like, it didn't, like, no one questioned that. Or no one in Springfield yeah, goes, exactly. oh, like, I can't believe he said that about us. They just all... At the end of the, yeah, at the end of the ad, they're all, oh, yeah, why, why wouldn't I vote for him? Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> Guys, should we go on to number two? Yep. Number two. Where are we going, sir? To create a new and better world. If it's on the way, could you drop me off at my house? I just really That's like, <laughs> yeah, like, I just really like, though, in this very deeply satirical thing, there's just a really nice one-liner from Homer, and there's a few from Bart. Yeah. It really fits nicely in that. Just um, a lighter moment to counter yeah. the really deep theme. And it's vintage Homer as well. Guys, <laughs> going into the top moment from this week's episode, you guys ready? Which one are we playing? Number, number one. Number, yep, definitely. <laughs> number one. Mr. Burns... In 20 years, I have never seen such a shoddy, deplorable... Oh, look! Some careless person has left thousands and thousands of dollars just lying here on my coffee table. Uh, Smithers, why don't we leave the room and hopefully when we return, the pile of money will be gone. I don't know. It's just like me and Rachel both agree, I think, that the spitting of the fish across the room is a very good moment. It is very visual, and I think this is another nice look at... Very uh, difficult for visual gags to get on radio. radio yeah, <laughs> but uh, I really like the bribery from Burns in every episode because he does The money and the stupid man are still, still here. here. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, that's our top three from this week's episode. Let us know your top three moments from this episode or next week's episode, which is 30 Minutes Over Tokyo, by writing us in at facebook.com slash the yellow family. <laughs>
The Yellow Family with Tom and Michael, still joined in the studio by Rachel Ward. Hasn't left yet. She hasn't left. She hasn't <laughs> walked out. We've never had a walk out on the show. Very thankfully. proud of that. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> We've had several um, attempts. Near, yeah, several We've attempts. We've them back in. <laughs> Rachel, as we've said, you're you you know you're kind of a very politically minded person, which I guess has led you to be keen to discuss political satire in The Simpsons because it does extend to a lot further than just this episode alone. Oh, so much. It's a, it's one of the constant themes throughout The Simpsons and something we haven't touched on as much is political ads. Mm. The Simpsons, all however many 20-something season, is littered with different kinds of political ads from Slideshow Bob to Mayor Quimby um, and recently The Simpsons have done an ad pretending as if it's an ad that's going to be broadcast during this election, American election campaign. Yeah. So between between Trump and Clinton, it goes, who do you want to answer the phone when the situation room is ringing? And then it, it depicts Hillary Clinton and then her husband Bill answers the phone. He's like, yep, yep, I'll be down. Uh, no, no, it's not for me. And then Hillary's like, it's not for you, for you from it's now It's never on. for you. It's never for you. And then it, go, then it shows Trump and he's busy tweeting and he's like, no, I don't want to come down. And then they ring back and he's like, fine, I'm coming down. And it takes him like eight nine hours. hours pass, yeah. Eight hours, nine he's hours He's also to get reading ready. a book written by a man named Adolf Hitler, which is like another <laughs> yeah. little nod there. Very visual, possibly. visual gag. It is amazing. Oh, I love in The Simpsons, there's another ad which they do. It's when Sideshow Bob runs from Mayor, I think it is. Yeah, against much, Quimby. Yeah, the ad just goes, Mayor Quimby supports revolving door prisons and once released Sideshow Bob, a convict twice convicted of attempted murder. Can Would you, you trust <laughs> Mayor Quimby? Vote Sideshow Bob. And that is genius. Like, that is just such an amusing, like, thing to happen in that show, as always. And it, it sends up how, like, ad campaigns run as well. You mm. also get... I think as well it's important to note, again, Al Jean is currently showrunning. He's been with The Simpsons from the start. Mm. He's currently EP and showrunner. And as he said, The Simpsons has a left-wing bias and he's the one behind all the stuff on the show, so he's behind yeah. this this thing. And He's a very public figure and he acknowledges that and he acknowledges his certain biases. And when I saw this campaign, I thought it was really funny but then I also thought about why it was released and um, I think it's sort of the same reason why John Oliver did his spiel against Trump so they're tapping into what's going on in popular culture at the moment because they know it'll be popular but I think also there is um, among the left wing in America there's a bit of they're a bit unnerved, they're a bit worried that certain sections of the left wing are going to vote for Trump because it's like an anti-establishment move, essentially. And I think for the same reason John Oliver did his spiel, The Simpsons have done this spiel because they, they don't want people <laughs> to vote for Trump. Yeah. And it's very clear by the end of that ad that you are not that you shouldn't vote for Trump because he's They are he's pushing silly. that view of it. Yeah, they are. It's In a way, it's gotten to that point where they think that they have to put in their voice right and we can try and convince we can never forget people. that like if you are a big entity whether it be John Oliver or the Simpsons or whatever it might be you have a fan base and you have people who you can influence which is like also an issue like don't get me wrong that's still an issue but like you know definitely the Simpsons or Al Jean or whoever it might be has put this out to sway their viewers to align with their own political views, which is really interesting. And definitely in The Simpsons, there are a lot of political issues raised. There's 
what is this environmentalism in a lot of Lisa centric episodes and the Simpsons movie is the yeah, big one yeah definitely with the EPA. <laughs> yeah I mean who grew up not thinking I EPA no was like EPA the was. worst organisation <laughs> ever and then you grow yeah. up and you find out it's a very benign organisation you but, go oh okay yeah. the Simpsons led me mm. down a totally different path <laughs> but they also take homophobia in Homer's phobia yeah and, um, <laughs> very good title <laughs> gun and, violence is done the cartridge family where yeah, Homer where, gets a gun and, and he just abuses it he just abuses it Mo makes the like transformer gun that's like 25 guns in one or something yeah. as well. And you also get like immigration issues where I think it's in one episode, it's much a poo about nothing, yeah. where pretty much Homer pushes for this referendum to get all illegal immigrants deported out of Springfield. And it's only once he finds out that his friend Apu is actually an yeah, illegal immigrant. Yeah, he doesn't realise, you know. That's when he actually tries to help Apu. But mm. it's just it's, how they can. It's all. It's always very satirical and very on point. It is. I mean, they talk about Apu, and that's really deep stuff. Mm. But then at the same time, they they make fun of Mo because he's talking about them immigrants who come in yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> ruin their language jobs. again. Yeah. Very, very like serious stuff with very light-hearted Simpsony humor it's inserted into so it. Clever. There's a Treehouse of Horror bit called Citizen Kang where Kang and Kodos um, basically take over the two men. I can't remember who it is, but they're running for president. Mm. And yeah. Homer exposes <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, Homer exposes them, and one of them just says, and this is something like particularly, I think maybe. Maybe less so Tom and more me. Like, I'm not a very politically minded person. And it might be for this reason that Kang or Kodos actually says, look, it's a two-party election. It's a two-party system. you got to vote for one of us. What if I vote for a third party? And they're like, fine, throw your vote away. Right? And I don't know. Like, to me, it always felt, and maybe it is because I watched so much of The Simpsons, that so much of politics was, like, almost unjust or unfair and that, like, you know, what you want to happen might never, ever happen. And, like, it's all... It's less about getting things done and more about squabbling and just fighting and making the other person look bad. And I think The Simpsons tries to push that a lot, particularly in that moment, which is, in my opinion, some of their best political satire. It's amazing because they're two pre-selected candidates and they're like, well, particularly in America, and it's true, they're like, well, you have to vote for us. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening with Trump and Clinton. But I think your point about things seeming like nothing's getting done in politics. That's not just you, and that's not just because you say you're not politically engaged. There is an argument that since Kevin Rudd was ousted, a lot of people are feeling this because things are put into law and then they're repealed. They're put into law, they're put in, then they're repealed, and there's this negative just politics. Just because of the change of government Yeah, that's cycle. just what this period of Australian politics is like at the moment, so I don't think it's an unfounded... Yeah, um, and I think it's super fascinating that we can take The Simpsons as an artefact of popular culture and American popular culture and apply it to ourselves in this way, which we do, like, you know, I think that's one of the more insightful things that we find on this show, that The Simpsons is so applicable to our daily lives and interests in ways that we don't really think about that much. And there is a really good, there is an episode, it's one of the more recent ones, I think it's episode, season 11, Yeah. where it's... Not that recent. (laughs) but, But to the future. Yeah. Where Lisa becomes president, and the who first female president of the from? United States, and it's like, oh, we've been left in turmoil f- because of former President Trump. Yeah, that was what was it, ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, they had this idea: the country is now broke because of tr- pe- President Trump. And what's happened? Like again, it's actually that, happened now. Again, that political bias, bias kind of shines through, and like, it is quite ironic considering where we are right now. Guys, sadly, we are basically out of time. We're going to have to go to one last song, uh, but we'll be back talking about next week's show, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Straight after this. That's all. <laughs> it's, it's the Yellow Family with Tom and Michael. <laughs>
Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for having me on the show. I've realised that I could write a thesis on The Simpsons and politics. There's so so much much to talk about. Rachel, if people want to hear more of you or see some of your work, where can they go? Tune in to Panorama on 90.7 every weekday from 4.30pm. I'm not on every day, but the show's on every day. Your spirit on the the show is on every day, right? (laughs) Tom, give us the 411 for next week's show. Here it is. Next week we'll be joined by Lauren Klein. She is, of course, a radio person, a staff member at our radio station, and another, of course, all-round good gal. Second female guest in a row, which is quite an achievement for us. (laughs) Also a huge (laughs) Japan nerd like Michael, so naturally she's chosen an episode with Michael's help of 30 minutes over Tokyo. No, I didn't push her into this one. She just said straight away she wanted to do this, FYI. Basically the episode where the Simpsons head over to Japan. Which is the first... First episode we'll do that is outside or semi-outside of the Simpsons' so-called golden age. So we might have a bit of a chat about that. Very exciting. So if you're a fan of Japan, radio, podcasting, Pokemon, sure. Sure. Dragon Ball Z, yeah. any of those things, yeah. tune in next week. And if you're a fan of Simpsons music covers, yes. very exciting news. Finally. We're unveiling our cover of Monorail next week. Which we've been working, like, not very hard, but, like, semi-hard we'll on. We've put some work into we've it. We've been working on Since it. Since week... When did we, we started week in week was three, the last one. So we've had a five week break, which yeah. we found nice. Rachel, <laughs> did you have a good time on the show? It's been fantastic. Thank you. Excellent. For me on. That's what we want to hear. And that is about all we got time for on the show tonight. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Yellow Family or Twitter at the Yellow Family for anything you may have missed, videos, um, Simpsons videos, the whole thing, the galore, you know? It's it's absolutely great there. The podcast will be up shortly. You can catch us on iTunes by searching the Yellow Family or on, on iTunes or any good podcasting app please leave us a review preferably five stars but if you you know four. if you're not feeling generous we'll take four three just not two or one come on you're kidding yourself if you're giving <laughs> us a two or a one guys thank you so much for listening to the show tonight it's been the yellow family with tom and michael have a great night 